everyone and welcome to the harvest i am so glad that you're here uh, we have an, another exciting interview here for you today and if you would uh, go ahead and share this link with somebody right now as you're as you're listening so that others can see what is going on uh, today uh, we have an interview with a missionary his name is chris stubbs and he is with he, he is a missionary to South Africa. So, Chris, welcome to The Harvest. Thank you very much. Um, go ahead and uh, let everybody know who you are and uh, how you ended up in South Africa. Yeah, okay. So, uh, as Pastor said, my name is Chris Stubbs. Uh, we are missionaries to South Africa. Um, I'm married. My wife is Amy, and we have three children. He's a senior at Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. My second is Grace. She is a junior at Evangel University in Springfield. And then our youngest is Ian. Uh, he is in 11th grade, and he's actually in South Africa with us. Um, so there's there's the five of us as the stubs. What, um, what was your son's yeah. name again? Because you you kind of uh, broke up a little bit. Your your, uh, your first ben, son, Benjamin, Grace, and Ian. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, unfortunately, our uh, our email, uh, I mean, our internet may may not be fantastic. It, it that's all right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we um, my my wife felt a call to Africa, um when she was a junior in high school at camp, um, Lord, uh, spoke to her and, and moved on her. And, um, I was a little bit slower. We met at North central Bible college and I felt a call into ministry. Um, I wanted to do youth ministry and, um, we started dating and kind of had a few future conversations. And I remember telling her, look, I'm, I'm not going to Africa unless Jesus tells me to go to Africa. So uh, clearly that, that worked out really well for me. Um, so uh, when I was uh, several years into youth ministry, uh, the Lord spoke to me and, uh, and basically said, look, not, not yet, but, but I'm going to use you in missions. Yeah. And um, so we left it at that and then continued doing youth ministry. Uh, we were engaged with youth ministry almost 13 years, uh, two different churches, one in Ohio and one in Indiana. And then the Lord said, it's time. And so he called us to Africa, um, was actually at the, the very first World Mission Summit in Louisville, Kentucky, um, which is a Chi Alpha thing. I don't know if you know what that is or not. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So well, go, go, uh, ahead, and, go ahead and explain, go ahead and explain uh, what that is and a little bit of sure. what Chi Alpha is, if you don't mind. Sure. So um, Chi Alpha is the college ministry uh, of the Assemblies of God. Uh, they've given it a fun pseudo uh, fraternity title, but Chi Alpha just stands for so in a lot of university campuses throughout the country, there are Chi Alpha ministries reaching out to the students there. And uh, World Mission Summit was something that they started. Um, it's, it's over the Christmas holiday, just after Christmas and right around New Year's. And the whole idea is to get college students to come out to a cool conference, hear great speakers, but try to develop in them a heart for missions. Um, and they bring them together and do all kinds of different stuff with them. But the idea, kind of their catchphrase, at least it was back then, was uh, give a year and pray about a lifetime. 
Um, the idea was to challenge college students uh, because they have the ability, in most cases, to give a year, go somewhere, do missions, and then pray about possibly giving a lifetime. And they've developed all sorts of streams to get college students into missions engagement in, in some form or shape or way. Um, so, yeah, so we went to that, that one and the Lord told us it was time uh, there. So we began the process of applying. Um, we knew Africa. We didn't know where in Africa. So we went to um, uh, Assemblies of God World Missions, uh, has their offices in Springfield, Missouri. And um, we went to them and kind of said, we feel called to Africa. We don't really know where yet. So they said, well, here's, here's, a, here's a few, you know, let's have conversations and let's talk some things through. And then here's a few opportunities that we feel like could fit and go pray about it. And so we did. And out of that, we felt like the Lord was calling us uh, to South Africa. So we arrived in South Africa on uh, January 1st, uh, 2009 was our first first arrival. And, and uh, yeah, so we've been here ever since. Um, our work has centered around uh, Bible college ministry, uh, pastoral training. Um, so uh, one of the most important things you can do um, is make sure that um, what what makes the church great is continued. And so training pastors is a really important component of that. Obviously, if your pastors don't know what the church believes, don't know how to present it, don't know how to teach it, don't know how to do the job, your churches are going to have a slow decline. So we came to work at a, a Bible college here in South Africa. And um, I came specifically to help revitalize kind of the academic side. Um so that was kind of my portfolio was to deal with academics. And um, I wasn't coming to lead the school, wasn't coming to run the school, just coming to to kind of be a part of helping leadership and bring everybody up to speed. Um, the guy who was the academic dean retired, and the guy who was the principal of the school resigned um, uh, to go take another ministry position. And so I was left. Um, and I knew what was going on because I dug into the academics and was helping everything kind of uh, get up to speed. And so uh, the National Church came to me uh, with my whopping six years of uh, six months of, of experience in South Africa. And so we'd like you to kind of serve as an interim leader for the school. And I said, OK, sure, I can I can do that, I guess. And so kind of began uh, on, uh, serving as an interim leader and in March of 2010. Uh, the National Church came back to me and said, hey, uh, we think you're doing a fantastic job. We would like you to, to lead the school. And, um, it, you know, they wanted to remove the interim tag off of it. And I suddenly got very spiritual and said, hey, I need to go pray about that. And, of course, my prayer was, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I decided I should probably actually pray about it and and uh, talk to Jesus. And he was like, yeah, this is what I want you to do. And I was like, but I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I don't come from a Bible college. I mean, I went to Bible college, but I wasn't working at one. I don't have the necessary qualifications. And he said, yeah, but but I've called you here to serve. And you know, you know how to serve. So he said, oh, okay. So I, I took over the school as the full-time principal um, starting in 2010 and then have been engaged with leading the school up until um, 2018. Uh, we came back for furlough uh, 20, July 2018. And when I left, I turned it over to a South African. Um, and so he has been running the school since 
2018, uh, we were home for uh, itineration and traveling and then came back. So we got back in fall of 2019. Um, and I'm now serving as the academic you you broke up a little bit hold on um this is what happens when you get to talk across the world continue with so uh, for sure um so, so yeah you, so he's he's running so you had um you were saying that um you went back to south africa and what were you doing at the school there so w when I came back, I'm still working at the school, but I'm serving as the academic dean. Okay. Um, they've asked me to kind of walk with the principal, kind of sort of a transition period type thing. I'm working as the academic dean. Um, a large part of what I did was to get the academics in order and get things sorted out. Um, so I knew that role quite well. Um, and then um, yeah, just kind of continue to walk. So this term will look like that. And then... Um, at the end of this term, which will be in two years' time, um, I'll actually go back, and then they're looking to hire someone. Um, so they'll hire them in time for me to train them. Um, so I'm, I'm steadily working my way out of a job, yeah. <laughs> um, which which is good. It, yes. uh, there's, it's one of those deals where, you know, it's kind of, uh, I knew I wasn't going to be the leader of the school forever. Um, it was kind of a Hey, in this season, can you walk with them? And so uh, I think the Lord's been really faithful in raising up leaders and raising up people. And of course, in the meantime, we've had the privilege of um, seeing seeing uh, a number of students go through the school and now they're out planting churches and they're doing incredible things in ministry. And so that's tremendously rewarding. So the Bible College has been our main focus. And then as a family, we got engaged with um, a local AG pastor who um, was doing a feeding program out of her, um, out of her house, really. Um, and we've walked kind of the last now, I guess it's almost 12 years now with her as well. As she's reached out, she feeds between 50 and 100 kids uh, on a daily basis. Um, and then she's, you know, she's planted a church and she does outreach and all kinds of fun stuff. And that was something that we felt like um, our kids were going to be on the Bible College campus a lot, but it would be difficult for them to invest themselves. And that was a place where they could kind of invest themselves. So Amy and the kids would go out usually at least once a week and kind of engage with the feeding and playing with them. And, you know, at, at Christmas time, we'll do, um, you know, like a, a VBS style outreach. And we've had teams come through and do ministry. so that she could feed there and do that so we've engaged pretty heavily with that um and then of course you know i'm i'm preaching a lot in churches and promoting the school and you know we put up a few tabernacles and, and you kind of find a million and one things to do while you're here um and and uh yeah so it's kind of the, the two major things were the bible college and then working with this local pastor's feeding program and then about a million other things along the way. So uh, one of the things that you mentioned was uh, the tabernacles. Explain to people what the tabernacles are in Africa. Sure. So in Africa, um, most churches are started 
fairly informally. So you might have a church that starts under a tree. Um, you might have a church that starts in someone's house. Um, in South Africa, very often they're started in a tent. So it's like a big, we, we call it like a circus tent. So they'll find a place, they'll put up a tent, they'll do several weeks of meetings, and then they'll kind of form a church outside of that. And um, all across Africa, as a way to bring um, legitimacy to those fledgling churches, um, they'll often uh, try to put up a tabernacle, a tabernacle structure provides the metal framework and the roof for a church building. But no um, and then different places, there's <laughs> typically, typically no walls. Yeah. Um, and and um, occasionally they might do walls if it's a very specialized circumstance, but like in South Africa, we'll do a cement uh, floor. We'll do the, the, the beams for the walls and then we'll do the roof so that when you're finished, you have a, a nice place to sit you have yeah. a roof, but then nothing around it. And then the goal is to have churches fill that in, that they then build the brick and the mortar. Uh, and so it, it gives the church a little bit of legitimacy in that it's not just in a tent that can blow over. It's not just under a tree. In the community, when a permanent structure goes up, it gives legitimacy to whatever's in that structure. Um, a tent is a good start, but if you're in a tent too long, then the people are kind of like, eh, tents come and go, uh, whatever. So um, it's kind of a leg up, but then we don't do it all um, because we want people to be invested themselves and we want people to be engaged themselves. You know, what you what you sacrifice for, uh, you care about. What you don't sacrifice for, you, you generally don't. And so it, it's, it's a form of partnership that we can kind of give them a, a jump up. But then yeah. the idea, and it's been really cool in the time we've been here to see some churches that started Intents that got tabernacles that now have walls up that have buildings and a couple yeah. places we've been, even seen them add on because they've been growing and changing wow. and so it's been we've been here long enough now to get to see that progression and see how that helps um, and so yeah that's what tabern so Africa Tabernacle Evangelism is um, the ministry arm of AGWM that kind of focuses on putting up tabernacles yeah I've I've been involved with Royal Rangers now for over 25 years and. One of the things that they've done over the years is is they've done the tabernacle projects, and so um, I, that's the only reason why I knew about it. But I wanted you to yeah. explain it to everybody else because we think cool. of tabernacle, we think of the Bible, we think of oh, it's yeah. a it's a tent or something like that. But there is a specific uh, uh, way that they did it in Africa, and I remember that they say, yeah, we don't put up walls, and we're like, wow, that's interesting. But it's a that's a great concept because if you don't have any skin in the game. You're not going to appreciate what you have. You're not going to take care of it. It's going to go to waste. And we see that here. It's 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 all over the place. Uh, rarely yeah. do people uh, take care of the things that they have no um, no stock in. And uh, yeah. and so so if they have a little bit of of ownership to it, then it becomes theirs and they take care of it. That's great. Yeah, it's also empowering when the church is able to do it. It may take sacrifice. It may take time. But when it's done, it's hugely empowering, not just for the individual members, but the 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 people around them see them working to do that, working towards it. And it gives it gives real, real legitimacy to the church and what's going on at the church there. Yeah. One of the other things that you mentioned that I, I 
thought was interesting, I thought we could talk a little bit about was when you stepped into the role of being the principal of the school, the interim, and you're like, I, you know, I don't have the qualifications. I don't have, this isn't really what I was looking for. Uh, but in a way, God had, mm-hmm. uh, had placed you there for a reason. Uh, and so having, having, gone into that role uh, and and doing it what was your you know what was your thought processes and and looking back what lessons did you learn from that yeah I think for me obviously anytime the Lord asks us to do something that we've not done before there's natural insecurities there um, and so some of that is just a voicing of your own normal natural insecurities but as I prayed about it, the Lord began to ask questions like, what do they really need? You know, do they need a PhD or do they need someone who's going to come serve and roll up their sleeves and, and get stuff done? And he said, you know, uh, I'm sure you've heard the old expression. He doesn't, uh, uh, what is it called? The qualified, he qualifies the called. Yep. And, and, and my story really is that it, it wasn't that I didn't continue my training and do some education and I've, and, and, and I did go back to school specifically to help me learn the things I didn't know that I needed to know. But really what he wanted was someone who was just going to serve, who was going to roll up their sleeves and say, OK, let's take this, you know, uh, one step at a time. And here in Africa, they say, you know, how do you how do you eat an elephant? Well, you need an elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> yes. and, and, and that was my elephant. And, and that's what we did. And so um, it, it's been a really interesting journey of uh, both the Lord using you as you are, but yeah. then also not not leaving you as you are. So he may call you into something where initially you feel unqualified and, and maybe legitimately are unqualified, but with him, he gives you the ability and then he, he rarely leaves you unqualified. As you go, as you remain teachable, as you remain close to him, he's going to, he's going to, put in you both supernaturally and through human efforts. So I feel like the Lord gave me wisdom that was beyond my training and experience in years. But then I also started going to school. I started working on my master's degree in, in education and in pastoral education. And so I began to learn things that coincided with the things that I needed. And so it was, um, it was kind of an interesting dynamic where uh, it's not you know, sometimes, you know, people want to say, oh, all we need is the spirit or, we need education. Well, it's not an either or. You, you, you don't have to pick one or the other. You can't have both the spirit and education. And just because it begins to use you doesn't mean you stay ignorant. It, you, you work on yourself even as he uses you. So I think for me, that was kind of the biggest thing is the Lord's not restricted by my restrictions. The Lord's capable of anything. And really what he asks of me is, am I willing? And will I walk the process that he asked me to walk? And so that's really my story. And now I find myself um, coaching the guy who's taken over, which is ridiculous to me, but because I've had the experience and I've had the training, I'm now coaching him, which is really cool. Like I get to say, Hey, don't make the same mistakes I made or do it this way or that way. And then, um, there's a, a, a another group here, uh, oh, South Africa is a bit of an interesting story when it comes to churches, but there's a, there's a, another assemblies of God group here and I've begun to engage them now with pastoral training. And so now I'm getting to go not just with the group we had been working with, but going beyond. So um, that's really, really exciting and pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think for a lot of us, especially for me, those are some of the lessons. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I know for us here in the United States, we have 
we see some things that are happening in, in South Africa. And, uh, you know, so we see a lot of things that are happening in the news, whether it's good or bad. Uh, what is going on in South Africa right now? Because I know there's, a, there's some upheaval and, and other things that may be happening over there. I think we lost him. Let's see if he comes back. Hey, there you are. <laughs> yeah, I lost you for a minute there. Okay, that's um, if, if so I understand you, you, you were just asking what's yes, happening with yeah. the sort of dynamic of South Africa in the moment. Yeah. What? Uh, so you know what is happening over in South Africa right now? Because I know there's a lot of upheaval. There's uh, there 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 are things going on. What you know. Let us know a little bit of what's going on, especially from your uh, your perspective. Yeah. So South Africa is a country of tremendous diversity um, because of its history and, and without going into a lot of its history. Um, it was settled pretty heavily by um, Europe um, not long after the States was settled. And so uh, they have a history of, of, so, sort of some European influence that the difference between the States and South Africa would be that um, the European settlers were always a minority. Uh, I think at their height, they would have been about 20% of the population. Okay. And the rest would have been um, either African or, or um, uh, sort of a, a, a group that is only in South Africa um, where they, so because of their political history, they divided everybody up. Um, and and have different racial groups. So there's a, a tremendous diversity in cultures. Um, it's also a tremendous diversity in economics. Um, South Africa has some of the, the best natural resources um, in the world. They have gold, they have diamonds, they have platinum, they have coal, they have land as their resources, they have oceans as resources, they have tremendous amount of resources. And um, because of the way their political situation went, um, the descendants of European settlers largely. Yeah, I'm struggling. There you are. <laughs> okay. we'll get Sorry, it's going to be a little spotty here for a bit. That's yeah, all right. No. So it's, there's diversities of culture. There's diversities of, uh, of experience. There's diversities of even wealth. So you'll have, um, I mean, there was a, there's a part in South Africa in the mid '80s that had more millionaires per square mile than any other place on the planet. Um, but but then you can drive 15 minutes from there and be in a what they call a squatters camp where people are literally building houses out of tin and whatever they can find. So South Africa is has great diversity. Um, you know, uh, I think the unemployment currently is. Uh, up over 45%. Um, and that number goes really high when you get to younger people. So there's, um, there's issues with, with finances, there's issues with um, access to education, there's, uh, there's, there's it's, it's a wealth of diversity. So, you know, I can, I can, you know, we have McDonald's in South Africa, so I can, I can go get McDonald's and it tastes exactly the same as McDonald's in the United States. But I can drive 15 minutes from McDonald's and, you know, be in a place where they don't have running water. Um, so that that creates an atmosphere where um, people are kind of on edge almost all the time. So a lot of the stuff that you'll see in the news 
Um, and we recently had a huge set of riding people were riding because of uh, it's usually around service delivery. We're not getting water. We're not getting electricity. Um, this particular riot, um, people decided that they would would go in and start helping themselves to whatever they could find in malls and 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 places like that. And the police's ability to control, you know, thousands of people that are that are rushing stores is is limited. Um, and there was a little bit of political mo- motivation there. Um, so South Africa finds itself a place that kind of lives on the edge at any given time. Tremendous racial uh, tensions here uh, because of its economic tensions here because of its history. Um, in, in a lot of places in Africa, um, you'll have you'll have a small pocket of people that are wealthy, but they tend to live in a way that most people don't see them and interact with them on a daily basis. So yes, we know there's wealthy people, but we don't see them. You know, the rest of us just kind of live our lives, and, and we're all in the same space. In South Africa, there's a, a definite middle class, a definite upper class, the largest percentage of people being, you know, we would say below poverty, but they see it almost every day. So that leaves a raw nerve um, that affects the way the country does everything and the way it experiences everything. So there are some places where I'll go here and um, I'll think, man, I could be in the United States right now. Um, but you're not ever very far away from places that are definitely not in the United States. Um, so it does create some security issues. It, it creates some safety issues. I think for the church, it creates great challenges to reach into all of those areas because you've got some areas that would be affluent, um, well-to-do, and you'd have lots of areas that are impoverished. And how does a church actively respond? You have places that have real racial issues, you have places that don't, um, and you have a younger generation that's coming up that is now engaged with the world. So, you know, uh, in the village, you might have four-hour church services, but a young person who's at university, they don't want that anymore because they can watch, you know, they're watching uh, Hillsong, they're watching Elevation Church, they're watching... You know, everybody in there, they want to identify in a slightly different way. So you've got a shifting culture among the young people. Uh, makes ministry a tremendously fascinating uh, uh, creature to try and, and train people for as well as, as do yourself. It, it's very, very fascinating. It's it's hard sometimes to, to it, it's hard sometimes to not do what you're used to in order Absolutely. to uh, sort of move along with the times and we get the we've done it this way we've always done it this way why are you changing it but it's that younger generation you know god god still loves them he's seeking after them but you know the church has to sort of change with the times sometimes or those that are younger need to start uh, building churches that will attract other young people in order to do it, but yeah. we need a diversity of old people and young people together because we need we we can't separate ourselves in the body of Christ and say, well, I don't need the old folk or I don't need those young whippersnappers. You know, we all need yeah. each other, but it's a it's a dynamics that we end up having to to juggle, and uh, every culture I think has gone through that, and so yeah, it's a. That's interesting. So, um, well, for sure, for sure, I think the speed of change in South Africa is significant because you you have people that, uh, you know, you can go out to a village that may function very much the way it's functioned, you know, fifty years ago, 
Um, but then the young person goes to the city to go to university and that change happens very rapidly. Um, so it's, it's a weird dynamic in, in that, um, you know, as the internet shrinks the world, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know that the U S I mean, I think the U S feels it in its ways, but I don't think they feel it as heavily as some of these other places that, um, you know, uh, or young people that are coming to university in the States and then they go back home and find they don't want what they left. They want what they found in the States. And uh, so I think the speed of change for some spaces um, is probably much greater here. Um, But ultimately you're exactly right. There is this always this tension of the way we used to do it uh, with what, what do we need to do in order to reach people now, uh, that, that tension exists no matter where you are. And, and I, I see that God has you in a spot where you're able to influence uh, the, the, the university students, the, uh, the, the future pastors, and that's wonderful. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think we need to, you know, make sure that we pray for not only South Africa, but also all over the world where things are changing so quickly that we need we need pastors, we need ministers, uh, people uh, to be able to kind of help move with the times, but also to not neglect what the Word of God says in order to appease, but also, you know, to stand firm in what we believe. So let's go ahead and do this. Um, uh, let's go ahead and move into a time of prayer. And would you pray for the the those that are listening and watching that, um, that God would be able to, you know, move in their life and to uh, be able to see the changes that need to happen. And then um, I'll, uh, I'll pray for you in, in South Africa. Fantastic. Lord, I just come before you and I thank you for the opportunity I have just to share about what's going on in South Africa, share a little bit about the ways that you uh, are using us here, um, Lord, and I'm, I'm grateful I'm grateful that you use us no matter where we are. And Lord, that's my prayer for, for each one that's watching and listening today or, or whenever they hear it. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would stir them to be used by you. Uh, Lord, so often we think I'm not smart enough or I don't have the right skills or I don't have any, what I need. And the reality is, is that we can be used by, use, by you in, in, in any point and in any way. In fact, what you want is people who are willing. Uh, and and then if there there's training that is needed or qualification that's needed, you can always add that. But Father, I pray for each one who who listens, who who hears my words, that you would prick their hearts about uh, becoming engaged, about saying, "Lord, here am I, use me," about offering themselves as tools in your hands. Uh, Father, that uh, all the insecurities of I don't know, or maybe I'm not good enough, or whatever reasons they may want to come up with where they can't. Father, that you would speak to them about where they should be engaged with, where they should be involved with, and that you give them the ability to step into that, uh, regardless of whatever fears they may have. Father, I pray that you would speak to some about um, uh, about maybe even being called into missions in one way, shape, or form. Father, that you would whisper to them about their role uh, in your kingdom. Uh, Father, whether that's at home, whether that's next door, whether that's across the oceans. Father, we're all called to be active members in your kingdom. We're all called to do something. And so, Father, I pray that you would stir them uh, to prayer, that you would stir them to action, that you would stir them to activity. 
Uh, Father, just bless them as they step out in faith. Give them everything that they have need of as they step out in faith. And God, let them be used mightily of you, whether it's in big ways or small ways is irrelevant. Father, use them. Use each one of us to fulfill your purposes and your plans for your kingdom. I pray, Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, and Lord, we lift up Chris and his family as they are ministering in South Africa. I pray, Lord, that you'd protect them. Lord, you know the situations that are going on. You know the people, the economic and and social disparities that are going on. But Lord, I pray that your your uh, protection and your anointing would be upon Chris as he as he's able to teach and and help the future pastors of South Africa. Lord, I pray for the church in South Africa that they would be able to to go into the trenches, whether it's a wealthy area or a, a very poor area. But Lord, I pray that the church would, would thrive and, and, and grow in South Africa, that the people there would uh, see you and, and see their need of you and be able to uh, know you personally. Lord, for, uh, for, for, for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we would um, do the same in our, in our uh in our communities. We have uh, very rich areas, we have very poor areas, but Lord, every one of us needs you. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the courage to go out and to uh, reach our communities, to reach our, uh, our, our families, our neighborhoods, our schools, so that they will know you and have a personal relationship with you. Lord, be with us uh, as, as, we, as we move forward, and I pray that you give us wisdom. Help us to, to, um, to see your handiwork in, in what's going on and not to not to say well i can't do that or it's not it's a, it's not something that i'm qualified for but but lord give us courage to do uh to do your work in your name amen mm-hmm. all right well chris uh so uh real quick i want to say for those of you who want to know more about what chris is doing i'm going to put uh the his website there at the bottom of the screen it's also in the description and uh, reach out to Chris and let him know that that you saw this that you're praying for them and uh, and if there's ways of supporting them by all means uh, please do that and and you know we want to we want to know that throughout the entire world the harvest is is going and so in this during these times when we're when we're uh, reaching uh, out to missionaries, we want to you know let the missionaries know that we support them and that we we're interested in what they're doing and that they're not alone. So go ahead and, and reach out and uh, and contact Chris and his family. And uh, so Chris, thank you so much for being here on the harvest. It was a pleasure meeting you and uh, getting to know you. Was well, is really nice to meet you and get to know you as well, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Awesome, and uh, thank you for watching. And if you found that this was valuable, if if you if you think that somebody else can uh, really be ministered by this, please uh, share this with your friends and family, and let them know what we do here on Wednesday uh, nights. Uh, as we uh, as we have different missionaries and and others that will come on to the harvest. So until next time, we'll see you next week, and God bless you. Hi.